there's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. podcast on leverage the chat i'm your host justin rowan carter rodriguez is not in today so i'm bringing back the man the myth the legend back by popular demand and our most frequent recurring guest ryan morton mort how you doing buddy i'm good how you doing man i'm doing well um i i'm a lot better than i would have been if the Cavs blew that game against brooklyn because i don't think i could take two losses in one year to them especially with how damn tight that tanking race is like the the nets won only one game in all of february and they and they didn't move up at all in the lotto odds um well i was actually cheering for the Cavs to lose that game at one point just because i'm here like it doesn't matter where they are they're gonna win the lottery you yeah, know they might win point. the lottery with the 10th pick they might win with the ninth they might win with the 11th i don't really care so where they are doesn't really matter to me, but seeing people self-immolate like at every touch, especially with with the way the Nets pick would play out as well as the Cavs losing to the Nets, it would have provided me, you know, it would have provided me more laughter than a night of looking at Isaiah Thomas statistics. But um, the, a win is fine, too. And, you, you know. I'm, the Mavericks also won a game, so it's not the worst thing in the world. They're still, like I said, they're going to win, so I guess it doesn't really matter. But they're currently winning the lottery from what, like the eighth position or the seventh position? It's yeah, fine. I, I mean, they got the, the karma gods going towards them winning the lottery because as Boston fans are jumping to point out, the Nets have no reason to tank, uh, even though they only won one game in all of February. Plus, you got Matt Money Dan coming in. He's going to come in with that predatory loans money, and uh, he, he's going to he's going to grease Adam Silver's pockets. Exactly. You know, you got LeBron. You need to keep the legacy alive. Oh, all, exactly. all all the frozen envelopes are lining up. 
and boom, mark it down. They might even let it get to 14th just to make it more absurd when they win the lottery with the pick, but it'll happen. You, you touched on something that I think we need to talk about, and that's just how unreasonable Cavs Twitter has been lately. And, and this isn't a, a, a new phenomenon, and it's not... It's not something I'm completely innocent from. Uh, I do kind of go through my swings. But I, I feel like Chops has had too much influence on Cavs Twitter. Because oh, no. <laughs> uh, everyone is like, from play to play, they go from loving players to absolutely despising them. And like to see the mood swings within a game, I get that it's frustrating. And I get that the the immediate return was awesome with those wins over Boston and OKC. But this is still a work in progress. This is still a team that's missing its second best player. And it's going to take some time for these guys to learn how to play with one another. The All-Star break clearly didn't do them a lot of favors. They, they forgot um, their, the plays and, and things that they had worked on from before the break. And I, I, there's going to be hiccups along the way. And I, there just seems to be so little tolerance for those hiccups at this point. That's a nice try getting me to come on here and hate on chops, but I will not do it. Um, <laughs> I thought I thought I'd throw the bait out there. It, it, you can do with it as you please, but go for it. What I will say is that people are a bit on edge, and my take is this: you know, they have, they still have the team fits a whole hell of a lot better. Um, they still have some issues and some non-traditional pieces. So, you know, everyone's in a rush to start. Larry Nance and Rodney Hood, and I don't necessarily disagree with it. I think those are two of your five best players right now, probably. Um, However, you know, that would give you three brand new people. And currently, you know, you're starting Tristan Thompson, you're starting Jetty Osmond, um, LeBron James, and J.R. Smith. And if Tristan and JR have a bad game or if Chetty has a bad game, you know, you still have four guys that know what they're supposed to be doing and a new guy they're working in. And I think, you know, when you add three brand new people to that mix and then your bench, one of the reasons that the bench is able to overcome that, you know, that newness and unfamiliarity is because it's got a lot of firepower. Yeah, it's that's my interpretation or or my opinion on it. So, you know, when you're going up against other team starters, I don't think having three brand new pieces and then I mean, who else would you have Jr. and LeBron, which is fine. But if Jr.'s having a bad game, you know, if Jr.'s not playing, which is most of them right now. Oh, come on. He's he had like a five, six game stretch. So the last two have been bad after he was really good for a while. Um, come on, come on. Like, he, Please, he you had know, some shots, but like he, he's in his own head right now. Like he, he's not hitting shots. He's not playing defense. The effort isn't there. Like out of the guys in the lineup, I, I want to see less of Jr. And I want to see less of Jeff green. And I know how good Jeff green's been, but not lately, though. No, not and, not lately. But I, I mean, overall in the season, I understand why people have some fond feelings towards him. And I love the Jeff Green experience while it lasted. But I, I think a big part of why they lost that Spurs game was you had Jeff Green, who was playing like 30 minutes where Larry Nance was playing 15. And well, and, and, and here's the problem. And the other thing with starting Larry Nance, 
he's averaging like seven fouls per 36 minutes. I... And you can't – like if you start him, so against the – yeah, that was last game. He picked up two fouls in four minutes. Yeah, but so, Mike, Mike Zavago, no, oh my God, I butchered his name. Sorry, Mike, but he brought up a good point. Like that's, we're talking about a really small sample size here. And like over the last three games that the Cavs have played, they've been called for like just an absurd amount of fouls. And I'm not someone that likes to get on the refs a whole lot, but these games have been incredibly poorly officiated. And like, I can remember a few of those Nance fouls, uh, blocks and offensive fouls that were just absurd. Like there was, it made no sense that it was being called on him. And I, I just don't think that that's something you can extrapolate for the long term. Like he hasn't had foul issues in the past. And, and I know he's playing more of his minutes at center um, than he's used to. But at the same time, like, I, I just don't think he's a, a player that's prone to a lot of fouls. And it, it, like Jeff Green shouldn't be your crunch time closing center. Like, I understand why people want to move to Nance as the starting center, and I think that that's something that likely will happen probably by playoffs. But as long as he's playing star or starters minutes and he's getting that 25, 30 minutes a game, um, like, my preference is have him close. Like, that's, that's actually a reason why you would continue starting Tristan is uh, if he is having this foul trouble, you at least want him in there at the fourth quarter. So Tristan's absorbing some of those minutes earlier on, similar to how Mozgov did uh, a few years ago. Well, that would be my other trepidation as well to play, you know, the, the perk of a Larry Nance or a Tristan Thompson prior to the finals last year where he had been stellar all the way up until then is the athleticism switchability and speed that you gain at the position. And I think part of the problem that you ran into with Tristan Thompson is you never had all last year. You never had anyone to soak up the minutes. Mozgov was in LA um, Channing, he was all right, but he, he, I mean, he couldn't play against every team and he couldn't really play extended minutes. Right. And he's Kevin not got helping your defense, right? right? Right. Kevin got hurt. And so, you know, I mean, Tristan had to, he didn't have to play 300 some games, but I would imagine that were it not for a streak, he would have sat some of those or were it not for, you know, just having nobody else. I mean, there are games where they had nobody else to play. And so then you've got a you've got an undersized player. Anderson Verja would be another great example. You've got an undersized player that you're wearing down and the shelf life on undersized players is shorter than it is for, you know, a guy like Joel Embiid, for example, that's massive or Shaquille O'Neal. Those mass like, you know, when you're right. when you're oversized for your position, you can lose a bit and, and not hurt as much. Tristan looks like he's lost half a step. Maybe a step, and it's it makes him look useless at times. Yeah, and Especially then other, other second games, nights of back to back, games. like that that game. Now I'm drawing a blank. Um, but the the second game there before the Spurs, um, was it the Hawks? It was the they started. No, the Hawks was the first. Hawks was the, the first, and then it was. Yes, yeah, Hawks, Celtics, Thunder, Wizards. Um, 
anyways, the bottom line is Tristan looked like dog shit in that game. And if you look, it's hilarious on, on basketball reference on how he performs with no rest versus some rest. Like, his effectiveness is just it, it night and day. The, the guy can't play back-to-backs, and I, I think you have to... Like, those would be games, and, and there's only one left for the rest of the season, so this conversation's a little redundant. But those would be games where, okay, maybe you lean on Jeff Green a little more at center in those games. Um, but yeah, it, it's clear he's he's still working through some stuff with his knee. I don't know if he's ever going to come all the way back to, to the player he was before these injuries. But I mean, he said he's not. No, so. yeah, yeah. He, I mean, he's he's logged a lot of minutes. Like Larry Nance isn't that much younger, but when you look at the difference in, in total minutes that they've played, uh, it, it's ridiculous. And and maybe he did some permanent damage to himself last season playing through those injuries for the second half of the season and playoffs. Um, but yeah, as we said, he, he's not going to be the same player. But hopefully, uh, as you move into the playoffs where you are getting more rest. He can be effective in short bursts, and and I think ultimately Larry Nance is is just someone that's dynamic enough uh, to be that closing center for them. I would agree. Yeah, I mean he's played great, and the idea is to integrate him in a way that will have him as fresh as possible for the playoffs. Like, who cares about the regular season, man? You know, I know that it's fashionable i guess right now I don't, I don't really give a crap where they end up you know they're gonna have lebron they're gonna have kevin back they're gonna have larry nance rodney hood looks like he has a lot of utility you never really know what you're gonna get out of jr but there's gonna be jr games in the playoffs there always are right and George i, I think Hill, what we, we we hope for is that tyron Lue starts to get a bit of a a shorter leash for some of these guys like i i think that's been part of the problem and I, I know one of the things people call for in game is, oh, well, well, why aren't they changing the rotation a whole lot here? And and like when a team practices, they're, they're practicing for a certain rotation. There's certain players that they've been practicing with, and you're just not going to see those massive shifts in game. I think going from the, the Spurs game to the Brooklyn game, all of a sudden people are like, oh, well, the rotations look a whole lot better. Well, yeah, they probably went through shoot around <laughs> it and they played with different units. And like Lou is making some adjustments, like especially when you're talking about guys that haven't played a whole lot together. Um, you're going to allow them to go through two, three minute stretches of bad play to see, hey, does this turn around in minutes four and five? And, and like everyone just expects it to be like, nope, nope, this didn't work. We're changing it up. We're changing it up. Um, especially with a team like the Cavs that has visions for June. And that's that's the whole focus in the franchise. You're going to blow a game or two in, in the regular season. And it's frustrating. But those are adjustments that are made between games. Coaching critiques are the worst part of everything we do. And <laughs> I mean, it is. It's terrible. And it's something I was thinking about and something I noticed. Do you see beat guys like people on the beat constantly? Do you see them making coaching critiques as much people that are, are closest to the franchise? Uh, you um, see some that cover the team that 
come be at the Cavs. No, that that or, come from, or any any team, any team. That no, it, it, when the, the ones you see are guys that came from, let's say, a different industry. Like they they were, let's say, covering a political beat or something like that. Uh, oh, you geez. see that around the league. Those guys that don't really understand basketball, like th- they'll have the same knee jerk reaction that fans will have. And that's not necessarily the angle I'm going for. No, like, I'm we going have for no it. idea. Okay, well, that's fine. That's fine. I just want to separate myself, and I'm not agreeing or disagreeing with your take. Um, and I would say that people that have come from political backgrounds have improved greatly on the certain beats that they've worked. Um, I, I, like, to be clear, like, I'm actually not talking about someone specifically. Oh, okay. Well, I thought you were. And, no, no, no I'm, I'm um, not. I, I I, I had a couple writers in mind, not that cover the Cavs, but um, yeah, so I'm, I'm not talking about any of the Cavs beat guys, but yes, continue. So coaching is kind of a catch all for everything we can't quantify, right? Like if we have an opinion of players and we think they're supposed to be terrible and they do even a little bit better, you know, immediately, bam, the coach is on a pedestal. It's not about the how the players are interacting and how they might get along or maybe someone's having a hot season boom coach pedestal and if we think the players are a lot better than or should be a lot better than than what their outcome is ah, coach bad um and, and there could be validity to that but i think in a lot of times we're just you know putting stuff to it i i saw and i can't get it out of my head i've just been grinding on it and it's not someone that is known for bad takes, so I will allow them this one terrible take. But one of the worst tweets I've ever seen was, man, what a testament, what a testament to Brad Stevens and the culture of the Celtics that Ty Lu and the Cavs, you know, they couldn't get Isaiah Thomas to work. And hip injury or not, it really says a lot about their culture. Shout out to uh, my countryman, Josh Everly. Like I said, not known for bad takes. I wasn't gonna put a wasn't gonna put a name on it because you know, in general, not an issue we run into. But holy crap, if that isn't the worst take I've ever encountered, and it perfectly encapsulates what I'm talking about. It, I mean, you know, Boston wanted to get Isaiah out of there. Like, they, step that, one, their whole plan was sell high on Isaiah. Let's let's showcase him as much as humanly possible. Well, and I mean, he had a good year and Brad Stevens is a good coach, but it it just it meets like, you know, step one, I need to have a take. Step two, I don't like this particular coach. Step three, I do like this particular player. He should be playing better. Step four, boom, fire the hot take cannon. And Isaiah's got his powers back since he went to L.A. Oh, yeah. He's up to like, what, 39 percent shooting and they only give up 120 something points when he's on the floor. He's great. Back up the Brinks truck. I I do enjoy Lakers fans, um, how they've moved on, because every young player that plays for the Lakers and this isn't a unique thing to Lakers fans, so I, I shouldn't just blame them entirely for this. But every young player that they have, it's okay. this guy's. Uh, the sleeper of the century. They're all franchise player. Josh Hart. Uh, he's the next Damian Lillard. Um, and, and like they've completely minimized Clarkson and Nance now that they aren't on their team and the impact that Nance in particular had on their defense. And like 
their defense like swapping Nance for Isaiah Thomas is about as brutal as it gets and the amount of points that they've given up since that trade is just comical even Clark you know Clarkson's defended a little better but I mean back to the because I'm still grinding on this you know I I don't know. It just bothers me. So getting to what you were talking about, where it's, you know, why is this lineup still in the game? Why is this happening? Well, you know, you're not trying to win a game in February. Like it's, you know, you can't sacrifice May and June to win a game in February. And when guys bring up some, and, and the numbers are, are terrible, you know, you're, there's no lack of validity in saying, hey, this has been bad, but you have to try to build guys that are struggling up and you have to know your locker room and you can't play it like 2K. So if J.R. Smith, if you're going to bench him and lose him and, you know, make him make it impossible to have him back, he's not going to bounce back. You bench him and this is a hypothetical, but you bench him and he's gone. You can't do that. And if you're trying to build a rotation for June, you know, maybe you keep that intact while you kind of shuttle guys in and out of your starting lineup around that. A Jetty Osman, um, you know, a Tristan Thompson, even maybe when Kevin Love gets back, Tristan's the one that's out of the rotation. Like, who knows? Right. But you you have to look at this with a long view and you can't tweak a rotation and a lineup from game to game to game and you can't put someone in and you know oh man they've missed four shots in a row it's time to sit him right back down and get you know this guy in and the Cavs as much as they've improved their fit they still have a lot of weirdly working parts I mean you never know what you're gonna get from JR you don't really know what you're gonna get from Tristan um you don't necessarily know what you're gonna get from Jordan Clarkson he's been far more good than he has been bad but historically, you know, he's been kind of a grab bag player. Right. And, and, and we're seeing that a little bit lately. Like his final box score looks good, but like every shift is a different story with him. Yeah. And George Hill, even George Hill has been, you know, up and down last last night was probably the first good game offensively that he's played. And at home, they've been missing a ridiculous amount of shots. They're fouling like crazy. And I don't know. I feel like if a different coach had a bench that was playing really well comprised of new guys like this, that instead of whole oh, man, Oh, what is going on here? You know, it'd be this, well, well, we, you know, we like, we like Popovich and this, all these new guys are on this bench. It's playing great. What a genius, because we don't know what the <laughs> hell we're talking about. We're not near the team. We don't know how these guys interact in the locker room. You know, we, we have no idea what the hell we're talking about. We see players playing well or playing poorly. We read five quotes on Twitter and we go, well, this coach has lost the locker room and these guys, they're going nuts. It's it's the worst. Um, it really drives me crazy. And especially basketball, it. it you're right. I, I think you, you've made a, a lot of really good points here. And um, like it, it's a game of runs and to break like I, I see people and they're using like net rating for this five minute sample in one game. And I'm like, that's not the intention of that. And And if you're going to put every single segment of a game under a microscope and judge coaches by that, you, you're going you're 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 doing it wrong. You're going to have a bad time. 
Yeah, it's man. I don't know. I I've tried to refrain from coaching takes other than I know Ty's a good coach because he spectacularly coached the team to a goddamn finals win. You know, we know Brad Stevens is a good coach. His teams are always successful. We know, you know, there's there's some golfs in between good, and I don't necessarily know that there's a lot of bad coaches out there. You know, well, maybe Keith Smart. But, I mean, even the guys that everyone bags on, they're still very successful. Like, it's, we, I don't know, I, I hate talking about coaching because we don't know what the hell we're talking about. It bothers the hell out of me. And, and we also oh. assign everything to the head coach. And, and that's the, the funny thing. Like, there's, there's so many coordinators. There's so many assistants that are, are heavily involved. Um, some teams have assistant coaches that call the plays, some that run the defense. Um, one, one of my favorite things is when people, and we've seen this a little bit this year, people will go back to David Blatt and say he was the better coach. The Cavs made a mistake firing him for Tyron Lue, even though they won a goddamn title months later. And they, they'll point And the to, players clearly hated Blatt. They clearly like, hated him, and, and the evidence for it was... Oh, look how the defense dropped off after. I'm like, David Blatt didn't coach any of the defense. Tyron Lee Ty coached the defense. He coached the defense, and then when he was promoted a head coach, they hired a coordinator. Uh, like, right. and, and then I, I think they changed it back uh, come playoffs, and the defense improved, and, and they won a title. Like, yeah, we just Mike, have absolutely— Mike Longabardi uh, handles yeah. the defense, and then, yeah, Ty did it. In the playoffs, but even that, and that's. But to your one. point, we we have absolutely no idea what we're talking about half the time. Like it's uninformed. We we can, I mean, everybody sees it, and it's crystal clear when you're watching it on a game, uh, and I'm sure it's clear when Ty Lue goes back and and watches film. And and by the way, I don't think Lou has done a great job this year. Um, I I think it it hasn't. Like I I just think he's had a few bad games just as players have bad games. Um, but it's also been a really tough situation when so many of the players that were brought in weren't what the, you hoped them to be. Um, and I don't think that's all on him by any stretch of the imagination. Like Isaiah Thomas. He brought in Derrick Rose. He was the one that wanted Derrick Rose. So, <laughs> you know, you and you have to put that on him, and that's fine. Like that's one where he said, hey, I wanted Derrick Rose, and Derrick Rose was not good. And he tried to shoehorn Derrick Rose in the lineups. But even when you look at that, like you've got Isaiah Thomas, you're trying to trade him or you're trying to have him be good at some point. You've got to play him. You've got Derrick Rose. You wanted Derrick Rose on the team. You promised Derrick Rose he would play. You got to play him. You got Jeff Green. Jeff Green's playing well. Well, you got to play him. You got Kyle Korver. Kyle Korver can shoot. You got to play him. Like they had all these ill-fitting guys that you had to play for one reason or another. You had to play Jay Crowder. You had to play IT. And boom, okay, now they're all gone. So now you got to figure out how all these other guys fit together. And the guys that were fine before are now falling apart. Like, you know, Jeff Green. You could always count on Jeff Green, which is still weird to say. <laughs> now, I, I don't now think you can say it anymore. <laughs> Now he's been really bad, and LeBron is – well, he's LeBron. He's fine. Um, Kevin Love is out. Can't count on him. You know, Kyle Korver has been missing shots. You can't count on Kyle Korver's jumper right now, which is crazy. And George Hill hasn't been good. So, like, 
what are the options? Like everyone loves to say the Cavs have no good defensive players, which is pretty true. And then they'll look at the bot at, at the ratings and be like, Oh man, Tyloo can't coach defense. Well, you told me <laughs> these guys were, were terrible defensive players. Like I, I just, yeah, I don't know. And well, that's it, not it's always easier. Defense, but. Yeah. And as I said, I don't think Lou has done a, a great job this year, but it's always easier for people to point at a coach and say, that's the reason that the team sucks rather than saying, okay, maybe we don't have the personnel to do this, or, or maybe um, these players aren't as good as I hoped that they were. So it, it's just an easy scapegoat um, because it is something that um, it, it's hard to quantify. And it, it's just, it's the knee jerk reaction for a lot of people. Why don't they run more pick and roll with LeBron as the screener? Well, every playoffs, they run a mountain of pick and roll with LeBron as the screener. So maybe they know that they have that in their back pocket and they're trying to work on something else. Like all of these arguments that we have all season, we never have them in the playoffs. So am I concerned? No, no, not a bit. You're just being annoying. Please stop. Leave me alone about Ty Lue. <laughs> Do we want to move on to a, yes. a future Cavaliers player that you you absolutely hate and his team that is being led by Thomas Staderaski right now and are right on the Cavs heels? John Wall. Do you have He's John Wall? He's not playing for the Cavs. Do you have John he is Wall? He's not. John Wall has 50-year-old knees on a $40 million a year contract. He's not playing for the Cavs. Um the worst idea, and it's no discredit to John Wall. I mean, you, you get hurt, but trading a potential top pick, whatever it may be, if it's top seven in this draft, come on, man. Like that salary is going to destroy your franchise. The the designated player um, extension or whatever the hell the specific term for it is, yeah. is one of the dumbest ideas in practice. It sounded great. But in practicality, has been just absolutely horrid. You have a two hundred million dollar contract for John Wall <laughs> as he's turning thirty, and he had another knee surgery. Like, man, that thing's going to be a Gilbert Arenas level albatross. And well, the Magic are still the Magic, so there might be a way out of it. But could you imagine if they inherited John Wall after the Arenas experiment? That the, part part of me wants Walt one because he is fun when he is healthy and two I just want to see how you react to it. I I can't imagine. Yeah, that one would send me over the edge. That would. I mean, dude, ugh, he's gonna age terribly. Like he's got messed up knees. Listen, man, take he, it take it easy on us with bad knees, okay? I I have knee issues too. That's what I, like he's gonna age so bad. I feel like, and maybe I'm wrong. And one of those corny accounts that points out incorrect takes by the takesman will have fun with this clip one day. Yeah, but gas <laughs> bag listens. away, man. Go for it. Nobody nobody listens to this crap. What am I talking about? Um, that is, that is accurate. There there are dozens <laughs> there are dozens of listeners that are going to come after you. I'm just messing with you. But um but yeah, I mean, I feel like he's going to age like absolutely terribly. And by the time he's 32, I mean, he can't shoot. Like what when his when when he starts to lose speed, how bad is it going to be? And 
you know, if he was making half of what he's making or a third of what he's making, that'd be great and that'd be fun and that'd sell tickets. But trading for him on a Supermax is maybe the worst idea that any team could possibly have with a how the Wizards have played without him. And I think you're crazy if you say the Wizards aren't better without John Wall, because literally by every number, they've been better without John Wall. And maybe their ceiling isn't as high without John Wall, but <laughs> they've definitely been better. Um, yeah, I man. God, I'm, I'm just going to now cycle something. through like different things that have popped up and just get you reacting to it. What did you think of the Philly sports talk host that said that LeBron was checking out Philadelphia private schools over the All-Star break? I think he's a Philly sports talk host. <laughs> I don't have to follow that up. I don't, Which one was it? Uh, oh, man. Um, I'm not sure how to pronounce the name, and I don't want to be disrespectful, but uh, A-L-A-A is the first name. And then A B D E L N A B Y. Oh, right, right, right. Abendamble. Oh, I... oh, okay. Used to play for the Portland Trailblazers. Really? Interesting. Yeah. Um, I, I yeah. always forget that you're old and washed. <laughs> um, I also have Google. But I mean, this was in 1990, man. I was three. Um, I was yeah. I was a year away from being born, so there you go. Maybe I have no it. idea why he, you know, what his sourcing would be on LeBron checking out private schools in Philadelphia. And um, all, the funny thing is, one that could also be true, but that could also be part of LeBron, um, you know. Owning what a school, checking out other schools. Maybe it's an expansion thing. Maybe he's checking out other good schools. Or um, he's just working out. Like, that's what he was doing in L.A., and that's what he does at a lot of places. You just go – I mean, the Cavs use high school and college gyms all the time. Mm -hmm. So, I don't know. Now, the Cavs weren't in Philadelphia. I don't know why the hell he'd be in Philadelphia. But I also – can you see uh, – I guess maybe LeBron could play in Philadelphia. That'd be – dumb but i guess it's possible i don't yeah it, i mean lebron really loves young players and i'm sure he's going to count on joel and bead staying healthy um you you talked about how you didn't want to trade the brooklyn pick like do you still think it's going to land fairly high or are you starting to think okay it's probably going to be about in that six to eight range six to eight would be dope dude there's it like would be eight, dope. well there's, there's like eight great players in this draft and maybe more. I mean, there's always, uh, you know, a Danny Granger, a Kawhi Leonard, uh, Devin Booker, you know, there's, there's always someone after the initial X, whatever, however many people you think there are, there's going to be someone in the next few. That's, um, that's a, that's a great response, Ryan. I really appreciate it. Answer the question. Where do you think it's landing? <laughs> I think it's landing one. Like I've been saying, it doesn't <laughs> matter doesn't matter where they are they're winning the lottery however anywhere in that top spot is fine um you know i i don't think i would enjoy a point guard no offense to trey young or colin sexton i don't take point guards early i think the thing that's hardest to find is versatile wings and you know that's that's where they need to be looking however if 
they land seventh or eighth and they take a point guard and he's fun and exciting, I'd be cool with that. I mean, you're a good team and you're going to add a top 10 talent. And the only reason you shouldn't be doing that is if you're getting a guy like Paul George. Um, I, I was going to ask, what, what type of guys would you trade the pick for? Paul George, Jimmy Butler, not DeMarcus Cousins anymore. I don't know that I would have traded for him before because I don't necessarily trust DeMarcus Cousins, but I wouldn't have been completely upset about it because I freaking love watching him play basketball. Um, but, but personal rule, don't trust anybody coming off an Achilles injury. I wouldn't go against that for a single player. So unfortunately, he is out on my list of to-dos. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it'd have to be someone in that you know, that Paul George tier of immediate amazing player that fits well with LeBron. And there just aren't a lot of those guys out there. Um, oh, I'd trade it for Westbrook because I'd see you melt down on a daily basis and that would be amazing for me. But, um, man, yeah, that, I, that, that triggered me, man. You, you might have to, <laughs> you might have to run the rest of this podcast. Cause I'm, I'm not going to bounce back from that. I, I like you imagine some- Russ and LeBron together scowling, pointing fighting for triple doubles neither uh, play any defense <laughs> it'd be so good so yeah it was fun when you're doing it with john wall it's not so fun now huh mother um well walt walt can actually help a team <laughs> uh, <laughs> i love someone to. jumped in my mentions the other day they're like man you really hate westbrook i'm like yes like yeah you're, you're not you're not you're not bringing up news to me and he's so dope. You're crazy. Yeah, that's that's why I hate him is because I had such high hopes for Westbrook and he was so much fun and I was such a big fan. But then he just like never progressed. And, and he just he, he averaged like 30, 11 and 11. That's great. But you're not that's winning amazing. with him because he's going to play the same way no matter who he's with. And ultimately in the playoffs, when you go against a Houston, a Golden State or a San Antonio, he's going to beat himself and that's what those teams rely on let me put you on to 15 years of an unbeaten theory blame mellow blame mellow if if it wasn't for russ they would have made the finals in 2016 If, if they had damian lillard Kyrie, john wall any of those like tier two point guards they would have made the finals well, that's fine because I was perfectly happy to see a renowned choker in the finals. In I mean, that, that was glorious. Yes. Yes. I'm, I'm not changing anything about the 2016 finals. I'm just I wouldn't saying. have trusted. I wouldn't have trusted Kevin Love to guard any of those upper tier point guards, but I would trust him against a collaborative talent like Steph Curry. Are you excited for Kevin Love's second option, no qualifiers? Like, I'm I'm happy for him because he deserves this. I love Kevin. Kevin Love's my favorite basketball player. I love watching Kevin Love. And I am fueled, fueled by people who don't like things. So currently, you know, I'm big on Kevin Love, much as I was on Iman Shumpert. Give me Kevin Love. Give me Tristan Thompson. Give me J.R. Smith. Give me Ty Lue. If you don't like him, I like him. Um, <laughs> like, I just need to, I don't know. I just need to like these guys that don't get liked enough. And Kevin Love is still greatly underappreciated. 
Um, I still think they need to make a, they need to make a statue of him outside of the queue and just have it be him with the the WWE belt slung oh, over his shoulder and a cigar in his mouth, sunglasses. I, and I love this no fucks given version of Kevin Love we're getting. Like he is being so petty in, uh, in the media and like just calling people out. And man, just just let it fly. Well, and those jokes are like I don't know how Kevin Love fits in. How do you know how Kevin Love fits in? I have no idea what these. I mean, last year they're all hanging out at his house drinking wine, you know, and <laughs> in, in every Instagram. And we're literally basing our takes off of Instagram and Twitter. There's 24 hours in a day, and we're the morons looking at a tweet of a picture and going, "Man, those guys really don't like Kevin Love, huh?" <laughs> and oh. and also you, like. If you look at the stories from the locker room fight, like Jason Lloyd and all these other really reputable reporters that don't say shit if they don't have good sources on it, they're talking about how it was Isaiah Thomas and Dwayne Wade going against Love and LeBron's backing up Kevin Love. He's going against Dwayne Wade. And, like, you you can tell. Like, LeBron and Love, they've obviously gone through a lot of shit, and, and those dudes get along now. And yeah. I, and I'm I'm just I'm I'm so interested to see what this what team looks like because I think the supporting cast really sets up well for having those two kind of running the show, and the way that Love played even against Golden State this year, like he was really productive against them. Um, I I think that this team is set up to really support him and, and cover for him as, as a high usage big, and. I'm and it really, fits well. Man, I'm really like, looking forward to like those George Hill, Rodney Hood, LeBron, Love, and Nance lines up, lineups. Like I, I think that's going to be a lot of fun. And that was that. Yeah, that was where I was going. And I mean, you could have Clarkson and Hill as well. Right, or, you can interchange some of them. Or you put Clarkson at point and you just have a massive lineup. But and and that's really the only thing they're missing right now. And the same reason that Love and Tristan worked so well is you have to have a big on Kevin because he's destroyed. It's why they beat the Pistons. It's why they beat the Celtics so badly. You know, if you have that large three playing power forward, he's going to flam. He's going to just destroy you. And they're going to mess some teams up on the boards. Like if you combine that with the verticality that Nance has, which is what Tristan is also missing this year. Um, you know, he has gravity just because of that vertical ability to take the top off a of defense. And you have to you have to account for that. And you have to account for, you know, a dude that can shoot 40 percent from three point line and also destroy whatever small player you try to switch on to him. Um, and then you have guys like George Hill and Rodney Hood and LeBron. And I think it it will be really successful you know, when they bring that back and hopefully it will push no offense to him. He's played great so far this year until the last few weeks, Jeff green, mostly out of the lineup. Um, Kyle Corver probably has to go. If you, when you're trimming down to seven or eight guys, he just, you know, and I think he plays pretty well. Um, but at the end of the day, I mean, you're 37, man, you know, you're a, a spot, player right now and there's nothing wrong with that because it's really hard to be as good as he is at 37 yeah i wasn't even that good at 16 um (laughs) and don't sell your don't sell yourself short and maybe tristan falls all the way out of the lineup you know 
It's possible. <laughs> Who knows? Um, I pff, God, how bad would the takes be? When yeah, oh, Tristan, they can't play him. They can't play him. So no, Ryan, Ryan, Ryan. Um, the way you root for a team is you can only pick one guy at every position, and, and that's the one that's good, and the other one's bad. And it's it's well, bad to have two centers that are playing well. So when they sit him, like everyone wants them to do, you know what's going to happen. Oh my God, they're playing. They're paying sixteen point four million dollars, and they won't even play him. Like, yeah, man, <laughs> they deferred like sixty million dollars worth of salary to win one title, and that's perfectly okay. It was amazing. It was the best title anybody's ever won. It's fine. Every contract is justified, except maybe Jr. Because he held out after the title makes it a little different. Yeah, but that, even then, that, one's, I mean, that one's a wee bit rough. He was just a hero of your championship parade. Like, what are you going to do? Hey, man, sorry, kick rocks. Meh. Yeah. <laughs> and there was no option to replace him. And God damn it. Kobe Altman, speaking of no option and no way to like add depth. This team, holy shit! It, like it, it's so fun to have all these young guys, and I, I remember—I I forget what bar because we were drinking—but you and I were sitting there, and you're just like, "I just want some fucking athletes on the Cavs," and we finally got that. Like Jordan Clarkson, hey. God, he moves fast. Larry Nance jumps out of the gym. Uh, Rodney Hood, Ro- Rodney Hood, I, I want to have more minutes and a little bit bigger of a role because that guy. He's a bucket getter. He he's he's been fitting in really well with this team. And and I think that's another reason that maybe Kyle has to go. Just and maybe not permanently, but maybe he just needs to sit down like, you know, when Kevin gets back, he's being down. at least cut back JR's minutes. Like I think it should start over him, but yeah. at the very least cut cut back on JR's minutes. Because that's another person like you got to find shots for Kyle and you got to find Jordan Clarkson is not going to not take shots. You know, Jordan Clarkson has maybe 700 options on the flow chart of whether he's going to pass or shoot. And only three of the answers are that he's going to pass the ball. And there's nothing wrong with that. He, he wants to shoot and gets gets buckets. It just is who he is. So Jordan Clarkson's going to shoot. And you got to get, obviously, LeBron, Kevin Love. Rodney Hood needs shots. J.R. Smith, yeah, if he's not getting his, he, he kind of checks out. So he's someone else that you might have to – you know, depart from the lineup. Um, <laughs> Hang on, I gotta cut you off. Ah, uh, yes, this is great. So, Slam. Oh, this happened seven hours ago. I missed it. Slam magazine t- tweeted out a graphic rookie of the year, and they got Ben Simmons, Donovan Mitchell, Laurie Markinen, Kyle Kuzma. Uh, dear, is that Fox? My God. And Dennis Smith Jr. And they don't have Jason Tatum. I'm going to dive into these mentions. <laughs> that is just amazing. Well, out of sight, out of mind, man. When's the last? I mean, Tatum was great at the beginning of the year. Is he even? Has he even played in the last two months? I, I, that's I a, that's a joke. <laughs> Holy crap! Tiki, Tiki Torch Twitter. That was a joke. Stand down. Uh, I actually really like Tatum, and I'm comfortable saying that I was wrong on him. But yeah, I mean, maybe you can't let's say just... if you're wrong yet, man. It's it's year one. I mean, I... come on, it's year. Well, We've I seen thought, a lot of guys I, see, I thought play he was well. the player out of the top five that had the highest bust potential, and I'm comfortable saying he's not that. Um, I I'm not with the, he's going to be a 15 time All Star, but uh, yeah, yeah, he yeah, he's he... clearly a, a good player. 
I'm old enough to remember when Ike Diagu was playing so well in his first year that he would not be traded for God. I don't remember who the hell he wouldn't be traded for, but year one, I mean, obviously he's been really, really great and I can't see any way he would be a bad player, but you never know. I mean, we could be two years down the line going, man, what the hell happened to him? Mm -hmm. Shout out to Tyreek Evans. Although he, he worked have, his way back, though. Yeah, he worked his way back. I like Greek. Um, yeah, I, I think that's probably a, a good place to wrap it up. A little bit of Celtic slander at the end. Um, yeah, I I think we touched on a lot of things that needed to be talked about because we, we just got to enjoy this ride a little bit more. And so much of the season has just been a shit show. And I, I think that's why there is some animosity towards the team when things aren't going well. But they're they're ahead of schedule like there was going to be an adjustment period after these trades and i think that they're performing better than they than most would have expected and at least they they've won those games those those big matchups against boston and okc the spurs i mean yes it was a frustrating game but that's also what the spurs do they will make you beat yourself on the third game in four nights like they're they're just really well coached and disciplined. A anything you want to add at the end here, Ryan? Um, you kind of touched on it. We just need to enjoy every minute that Isaiah Thomas is not playing basketball for the Cleveland Cavaliers. Uh, <laughs> and I think if we focus on that, and if we do that, your third eye is always wide open. Stay woke, my friends. Uh, so thanks, thanks, Ryan. Thanks for filling for Carter. Uh, that coward not coming on the podcast. Uh, so much shame. So much shame for him. But uh, And thanks to our listeners. Uh, remember, subscribe, you guys. Is leave a rating. Leave a review. Put five stars on iTunes. It's the best way to help the show grow. Um, so thanks again, guys. And until next time, go Cavs.